Dynasty Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. That is Travis the Beard. I am John Hogue, and this... Well, this is super flexible. For an elite few, this is Fantasy Championship Week. But for the rest of us, the offseason is just about to heat up as we constantly repeat the immortal phrase, wait till next year. As we prepare to open for business, we're doing some final reflections on 2017 to arm ourselves with knowledge going into this active offseason. But before we get into our giveaways and takeaways, I think we should take a minute to talk about one Russell Wilson. Oh, Travis. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it, John. He finally had his one bad game. You officially do not have to apologize publicly on the podcast. He scored He scored his one game under 16 points since week yes. six. So, I mean, uh, let, let's be clear. I wasn't going to apologize. No, you were, though, because I, I have the clip. I have the timestamp. <laughs> that that means nothing. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad this absolves me of any kind of responsibility. I mm-hmm. hope that the rest of the the dynasty universe can agree with you on that. Well, he um, he absolved me of making the championship game. So, oh, that was nice of him. Yeah. That's a huge burden. It's it's so stressful to be in a fantasy championship. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, thanks, thanks, dangerous. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Russ. All right, so here's the thing. Like, I mean, I should be taking a victory lap right now, right? I should be, I should be saying, I told you guys he was going to do this, you know. But here's the reality of the situation. He's so good. I mean, <laughs> it, he is. He, it, <laughs> this season, he has been. Not only good, but consistently good. Now, it sucks that this happened in week 15. It cost a lot of people their their fantasy playoffs. It's the second year in a row that he's done that. Last year, he was even worse in the fantasy playoffs. His, I think, week 14, where he got five and a half fantasy points last year. And it sucks that there was kind of no way to see this coming. You know, if it, like last week, people were actually benching Wilson because he was playing against the Jaguars and that made sense you know this one this really wasn't a very good defense you know this this had all the makings of a shootout and he they just didn't show up the the Seahawks the entire team just didn't show up so that that part sucks but I mean if if I was gonna sit here and say that that was predictable, that the, that I knew that that was going to happen, I'd be lying through my teeth. I had him ranked as a top five quarterback this week in fantasy. He had been so consistent for so long that uh, that it was reasonable to expect that he was going to do that again. So I I just want to be clear. I don't view this as, you know, Wilson being Wilson. This is a really unfortunate outlier in an otherwise great season, in my opinion. And also, I've been talking a lot the last few weeks about 
you know, overreacting to, you know, to one bad season. Well, even worse would be to overreact to one bad game. So just to be clear, Russell Wilson is still a top five uh, dynasty quarterback for me. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's rough timing, man. But obviously one game isn't going to sway my my dynasty perspective on him. And I was, you know, talking to a few people, obviously, about the, the Russell Wilson bum game. And really, like, what, my, what I kept saying to everybody was like, you know, the team around him is so bad. And this guy has just been carrying it. Like, he can only work miracles for so long. Like, eventually, the crap around him is going to catch up to him, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, this sport is just not set up for, you know, a Kobe Bryant type of thing, right. you know, where just one guy carrying the entire team. He did it's, it. He it, did it for like 10 weeks in a row though. It, he did. I, I mean, kinda the, the defense still had to do something and they did nothing this week. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Wagner probably shouldn't have been out there. I don't know about Earl Thomas calling him out like that. That doesn't seem like a good idea. But, I mean, he was he was clearly injured, and that made the entire difference. Todd Gurley was able to run all over those guys. So it there, there a lot went into this. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, you, you just you can't expect that. You can't expect that to be your formula for winning in the NFL. You know, it only it only works for so long. So, um, but all that being said, I mean, I I kind of think that there's so there are a lot of contracts coming up for the Seahawks on the defensive side in particular, and I kind of think that we're about to see a shift in philosophy from you know the Legion of Boom and the the tough defense. I think they might start allocating resources to the offensive side, and that's why. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna downgrade Russell Wilson too far in my ranking. Well, I'm not gonna downgrade him at all in my rankings. And I'm going to go into next season excited about what he could potentially do, assuming, you know, there's a good chance that they put an offensive line around him. Maybe they finally give him a true number one receiver, give him a big body guy. Because so many of his interceptions this year were Doug Baldwin's fault, <laughs> like straight up Doug Baldwin. <laughs> um, you can't you can't let a ball thrown on a quick slant get intercepted if you're a wide receiver, and Doug Baldwin's just not big enough and not strong enough to do anything about it. So those are those are on him, and that happened a lot. So. I think there's a good chance that they put a much better offense around Russell Wilson. And uh, and kind of start to switch their philosophy. My only concern is that this still does have the potential to happen. And you almost have to plan for it a little bit going into your your startup drafts. You know, if you're going to take Russell Wilson as a top five quarterback, you still have to be prepared for the possibility that he's going to let you down at a really inopportune and really unpredictable time. And that's been my point with him all along. That part's really frustrating. I don't want to go too far into it. We've been on this for a long time already. But right. I mean, yeah, just everybody has bad games and 
it just really sucks that it came in week 15. Yeah. But definitely. That doesn't mean it's going to come in week 15 next year. He does he, Russell Wilson has no idea that it's the fantasy playoffs. Like he does you know like yeah, not necessarily. I mean, it's happened two years in a row, but yeah. <laughs> that's, it, it, it's still fluky at this point. If it happens again next year, though, <laughs> I'm going to be extremely angry and uh, extremely stressed out, and I'm for sure going to get indigestion when it comes time to rank him. But, all right, let's get to some giveaways and takeaways. So we started this last week, and kind of what we've been talking about, some giveaways, some things going into 2017 that we really should have seen happen and some takeaways, some things that happened in 2017 in the NFL season that we're going to really try to remember that we're kind of, we're going to kind of journal this and keep this in mind going into 2018 and going into our drafts and, uh, um, going into, you know, our rookie drafts, going into trading and free agency and whatnot. So, Let's start with that. Let's let's talk about a, a giveaway, and this is one. I, so I came up with this one, and I'm wondering if you agree that this is something that we should have seen coming. I think that it might have been a giveaway that Josh McCown, and then by extension, Robbie Anderson, and at certain points, Austin Safarian Jenkins, were going to be strong fantasy uh, producers, and Josh McCown in particular was going to be a super flex option and at the very least a streamer you know if if not a late round flyer type of guy that you could have picked up in a super flex for for a little bit of bench depth no i think maybe yeah because i've always i've always liked josh mccown i mean he's for fantasy you know he's a gunslinger and he just goes out there and and you know, seems like he can, he's capable of putting up big games no matter what team he's playing for. But, um, I think the problem was nobody, nobody really expected him to hold the job all year. Nobody expected him to stay healthy all year. And turns out he didn't, but he made it most of the year. Uh, so I think maybe that's why, you know, we miss And Obviously it's Josh McCown. He's old and people think of him as a bad quarterback, but right. I mean, he's had, in the past, several um, instances of, you know, where he's been able to put up really, really good fantasy numbers. And then Robbie Every, Anderson, go ahead. Everywhere he goes. Yeah, sorry, just yeah. cut in on Josh McCown. It, 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 he's done it everywhere. You know, he did it in Chicago, and, you know, we just gave him credit because of those receivers. He did it in Tampa Bay, and again, you know, it was... It, he's just throwing jump balls to Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson. Yeah, he went. He even he would really he had was some good, good games in Cleveland, in Cleveland too. Yeah, yeah. He was he was responsible for Gary Barnage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and yeah, Taylor and then, Gabriel and yeah, yeah. So Robbie Anderson too. End of last year, kind of blew up, and everybody kind of wrote him off, like oh. Quincy and Noon was the number one, and that offense is going to suck. They're not going to be able to, you know. So who knows what would have happened if Quincy and Noon was stuck around. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, you know, he showed enough last year where he was a a usable weapon for a decent quarterback, and that's kind of what happened, you know. You had a takeaway based on kind of the same premise, really. I mean, so 
just to back up a little bit, I mean, part of part of the the giveaway here was that also that just the the simple fact that this is an NFL this is an NFL offense. You know, Josh McCown has been has been a good quarterback. Robbie Anderson has had success with worse quarterbacks than Josh McCown. But at the end of the day, I mean, a bad offense is still going to score points and is still going to be able to move the ball. Maybe not a lot, but they're still going to do it. You know, so so we should have known going in that there was something on the Jets that was going to be usable for fantasy purposes. You know, and beyond Bilal Pal, <laughs> we yeah, we that turn we out. should <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, I guess kind of the giveaway to me is that every single team is going to have somebody who's going to be relevant in a super flex league and in a PPR league. Yeah, and so kind of my takeaway that that directly kind of correlates with that is just the simple fact that the NFL shifts so dramatically on a year-to-year basis, you know, that I mean entire teams just turn around their their production, their their fate for the good or for the bad just in one season. And yeah. so just kind of, you know, what I was thinking is basically we need to not be so quick to count out the quote unquote bad teams from the year before because they might not be bad next year. Yeah. You know, like we just need to stick to who's good, like who, what players have talent, right? And these, these bad teams, the Rams, the Jets, the even the Vikings were not very good last year. The Jaguars were horrible. You know, all these teams, all of a sudden, one year later, are pretty good teams or yeah. decent teams, at least in the case of the Jets. But, you know, and there's all these players that everybody was down on that nobody wanted to draft. And we just we can't count on it, I guess, is my point. Like the NFL is just so crazy different from year to year. And, you know, these teams can just turn it around and become something completely different than what they what they were the year before. Yeah. And we don't always know what we think we know going in. The only team that's really guaranteed to be bad for fantasy purposes, for the most part, you know, to, to underperform for fantasy purposes is whatever team loses the Super Bowl. But beyond that... Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> it's true. It's true again. It's happening again. As we're recording this, the Atlanta Falcons are just barely eking by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a, in a game where there should have been fantasy points all over the field. But Yeah. I don't, I'm, but, I don't buy into that at all <laughs> really even though it keeps happening yeah man i mean sure they they probably okay what i will give you is that they are probably i guess i guess underperform is a word that i would agree with simply mm-hmm. because all of these these teams that that go to the super bowl obviously that year they went to the super bowl had fantastic offenses for the most part right right and and 
may so I th- I lean more towards the um the side that says that that is the outlier year and simply the fact that that they don't live up to their outlier year the next year should not be I guess surprising right mm-hmm. like the fact they made it to the Super Bowl means they were a really really good team and we can't expect the same results from that team the next year because that Super Bowl year was the outlier year, not the year after. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. And you probably walk down the sidewalk and have absolutely no problem stepping on every crack you see. Absolutely. I, I respect that. I really <laughs> do. I'm way too superstitious to get behind this, but you I think respect you, you that think you're you breaking your mother's it. back every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she even calls me and tells me that. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, um, my eight year old doesn't even believe that anymore. So r- really, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell your wife to look out then. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Don't talk but, about my wife before John. we. Be- yeah. <laughs> Before we get off of uh, of this point, I I just I want to put a little bit of a bow on it because we're going to go into next season assuming that there are some teams that are just going to be terrible on offense, and I just want to make sure to challenge you know both us and our le- and our listeners to see past that and to recognize that there's going to be some fantasy goodness. I you know we talked about it some teams last week and it's already kind of coming to fruition a little bit you know the 2017 isn't even over and the the san francisco 49ers offense is already looking a million times better with jimmy garoppolo but Mm -hmm. one one that i thought of that i didn't mention last week the chicago bears look a lot like the la rams did yeah they look pretty gross (laughs) yeah yep exactly and uh that's one that we're going to shy away from, and I think that it's going going to end up being at least a little bit of a mistake. Yeah, I mean, you get a couple receivers and maybe even a good running back on that team. We might have, yeah. <laughs> and and coaching, <laughs> dang, dang, Jordan Howard <laughs> getting blasted. By the um, it's the coaching is going to be the other problem. Get John Fox out of there. He, oh, for sure. I, He's uh interesting fact. Um, John Fox and Jeff Fisher have never been seen in the same room together. That's just John Fox wearing a, a mustache <laughs> as a disguise. So, you know, my, one of my favorite things in the whole world is when Bears fans have the Firefox logo as their Twitter avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome i never thought of that fire that fox really oh my god i love it dude it's so awesome when you're losing games and completely failing to score points you have plenty of time to be clever with stuff yeah. like that it's nice all right so you got another giveaway here that i think yeah. that i mostly disagree with so let's hear it oh nice okay my giveaway was that rookie quarterbacks aren't ready to produce consistently for fantasy owners. And of course, that's not always true across the board. We saw Deshaun Watson looking extremely good. And we've seen, you know, we've seen spurts over the last few years from guys like Wentz and Mariota 
And, um, you know, Andrew Luck was pretty good as a rookie. Cam Newton was exceptional as a rookie. But for the most part, these guys don't come in and perform well enough to be a QB1 in fantasy. And I think that we need to prepare ourselves for the for the likelihood that in a redraft, you don't want a rookie quarterback. And in Dynasty, you you don't want to rely on a rookie quarterback. So I do and I, I do actually agree with most of what you said. Okay. Definitely not in redraft. No way. Mm-hmm. Can you go into a season with a rookie quarterback, right? Like the guy that happened mm-hmm. to pick up Watson, like obviously that Watson was not drafted in single QB or probably even super flex redraft leagues. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, but Deshaun Watson obviously is is the number one um, argument I have, I guess. Um, right. And then, you know, Dak Prescott last year, and those guys were absolutely usable. Deshaun Watson was the QB1 for a stretch there. Obviously, he's going to be the outlier, so I, I guess I'm agreeing with most of what you're saying in that you can't for the you can't most predict. part you can't yeah you can't rely on it but yeah, you can't predict who it's going to be that's the other tough sure part. sure but in super flex dynasty i think it's a little bit of a different story like you're going to you're going to be able to use some of these guys maybe not week in week out but like Deshaun Kaiser had several streamable weeks this year and was it was it predictable though? That's that's the tough yeah. Part. He had especially this last half of the season. He's had a few games where he's been able to produce in what we thought were good matchups, and I I streamed him a few times as in my QB two spot, you know, in that super flex spot. So huh. I guess so. Consistently, you're right. You can't go in banking on that, but I, I've definitely think that you shouldn't just completely write them off like there's definitely going to be situations where you can plug these guys in so i yeah. wouldn't be a, a you know i wouldn't be adverse to drafting them in in rookie drafts in in dynasty super flex yeah i i think that you need to take those guys i mean that's how you end up with dak prescott and carson wentz it, it kind of depends on your your roster construction a little bit I, I guess my whole thing is if you in a dynasty league, if you're built to win now, you you better have better options at quarterback. I mean, I like you're probably right that that they've all had streamable weeks. I mean, even even Mitchell Trubisky has been usable, right? <laughs> like, but it, the tough part is, are you going to know when that when you can use them? you know and and I just don't think you can you you have to be able to be patient with those guys it, it's kind of like what we've been talking about with the receivers you know it, you're going to get good weeks from them here and there but for the most part it's going to take a little time and you've got to be patient with them um so you know there you definitely draft them and hope that you are going to get Carson Wentz in year 2 but you know, you you just you really have to lower your expectations because I have a fear that that a lot of people are going to go into the rookie draft 
and look at some of the guys who are going to come out, you know, particularly Josh Rosen, I would guess. But, you know, some of the other guys too, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, those are guys who might get people thinking in terms of Deshaun Watson. And I just want to caution that if that's what you're hoping for is Deshaun Watson type productivity as a rookie, you're probably going to be disappointed. More likely than not, you're going to be disappointed. I completely agree with that. Okay. He was having a historical outlier, outrageous, crazy season. <laughs> yeah. So to yeah. expect that is is just, that's just silly. Yeah. And who knows what he would have done the rest of the season. That's the other thing. I mean, it's really unfortunate that his season ended with a with an ACL injury in the middle of the freaking week, no less. Um, not even like on the practice field. But it's hard to say what he would have done. But anyways, let, let's move on to a takeaway that I had that's similar but different positions. So running backs still rule in redraft. But nothing changes for dynasty wide receivers. Wide receivers are the more valuable asset in dynasty. That's my takeaway from 2017, even though we just saw a horribly down year from the wide receiver position. I, th- I think I generally agree. It also depends on the format. Like I think um, like I've got a couple leagues that are a quarter point per carry and only half BPR, and mm-hmm. the script just flips insanely. You know, if you're in full point PPR with no point per carry, no rushing bonuses, yeah, like wide receivers all day. So it varies for me a little bit depending on scoring format, but I, I guess I usually build my teams around whatever positions are most scarce in whatever format I'm in. So if it's a start three wide receiver full point PPR league, then hell yeah, dude, I'm I'm going to want as many of those top wide receivers as I can possibly get and I'll do whatever the heck I want. You know, I'll I'll throw in whoever at running back, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's start two running backs, start two wide receivers, you know, quarter point per carry, half PPR, I want I want those running backs. And even though I know it's dynasty and they're not going to last as long, their career span is is shorter, or the career arc or whatever. You know, that's how you win those leagues. So. I guess that's my whole point is it kind of depends for me. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of the trap I was trying to lure you into because here's here's my entire point with this. Um, this, uh, this was actually tweeted out by uh, Ryan McDowell of DLF. Uh, this is the ADP of running backs from two years ago, September of 2015. Oh, no, this but, is going to be ugly. <laughs> Here's some of the names on the the list of the top twenty running backs in uh, ADP in 2015, just two short years ago. Eddie Lacy, Le'Veon Bell, of course. <laughs> Eddie Lacy, Jeremy Hill, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, C.J. Anderson, T.J. Yeldon, Amir Abdullah. He's Marshawn a rookie. Lynch, uh, Matt Forte, Gio Bernard, Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray. Those are some of the names, you know, the, some of them that actually Ooh. belong, <laughs> like Le'Veon Bell, 
Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, LaShawn McCoy, and Mark Ingram. You know, those guys those guys actually stuck. But beyond that, it was almost complete turnover in the top 20. Whereas with the receivers, also t- tweeted out by Ryan McDowell, the top 20 wide receivers included Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Alshon Jeffrey, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry and Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams. The only ones that really mm. fell off of that list are, you know, Randall Cobb, Calvin Johnson, obviously, Amari Cooper, Jordan Matthews, and T.Y. Hilton, and then guys who were injured, like Allen Robinson. So, you know, the the wide receivers just are so consistent. There's so little variance from year to year. That's only two years' time right there. So to me, that's why I will always stand firm on the position that you build with the receivers because they're going to be there for you year in and year out. And then on a yearly basis, then you just then you try and find the running backs who are going to be the guys that are going to help me this year and this year alone because, I mean, I, the likelihood of them helping me next year is not very good. You know, every now and then you'll get Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley, and they'll stick around for you, although Todd Gurley let you down pretty bad last year. Every now and then you'll find one of those guys who's going to be productive for you for, you know, two seasons or more, but for the most part, they fall off at, they give you one good year, and then they're gone. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty rough list for the running backs, (laughs) for sure. But again, I mean, I agree with with you for the Mm -hmm. most part. But if it's a start two wide receiver, start two running back, and a flex or whatever, and it's quarter point per carry, half PPR, I I disagree in that format. Like obviously, I still want some good wide receivers, but most of the time in point per carry, I'm flexing whatever whatever uh, Kerwin Williams or whatever Jamal <laughs> Williams or whatever that I can find. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's just volume is king in those leagues. So I know that's the that's the probably the vast minority, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's like that's the only point that I have really, and it's not even that big of a thing. Is like it it does depend on the format for me. Yeah, and I I'm just saying either way. I, I the fact that we don't know which wider or which running backs are going to be those top producers going you know from year to year since we don't know that i i don't know i i still i feel like you're going to have just as much success picking running backs in the later rounds of a startup and even better i mean there are four rookie running backs who are going to finish among the top 10 this year so that's why i think that the really the way to go i mean you want bench depth in your startup but i think that you load up at at wide receiver, especially the younger guys who are going to be there for you for several years. So you don't have to address the position necessarily. And then in the draft, you just load up on running backs and chances are one of those guys is going to hit for you. But anyways, that's a, that's a 
fairly consistent talking point for us and i'm sure it'll keep coming back up so let's move on to another giveaway and another takeaway uh before we get some to some uh some trades we really kind of formulated this one together but uh i'll i'll go ahead and throw this out for you adam thielen this is a giveaway we should have seen this coming going into 2017 based on how 2016 ended adam thielen was going to be a high-end producer we already knew that going in, or at least we should have. Yeah, man. I think I totally agree that we should have. I didn't see it coming. So I just – this is one of my biggest regrets of this year is I was so high on Stefan Diggs that I drafted him everywhere in like the fourth round. Hmm. And we're talking redraft and like all my redraft leagues, right? Like I had them everywhere. And then it come around to eight, nine, 10, 11th round. And I'm like, I don't want to take Adam Thielen because already have digs. I already have digs. Yeah. And so I didn't get, yeah. And so I messed up <laughs> big time. And so I had, I had digs everywhere and, but I really liked Thielen coming into this year, but I didn't want to draft both of the wide receivers for this maybe possibly crappy Minnesota team without a quarterback. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I missed on it. Even though I was still high on Thielen, I was higher on Diggs. And I think that's maybe where we kind of missed this one is the hype on Diggs was so real yeah. in this offseason that everybody kind of just thought, oh, he's the guy there. Thielen was, you know, Thielen kind of blew up the last few games of last year but he's not going to do that again it's Diggs. Diggs is the guy you know and and by then we had seen two two full seasons of stefan Diggs and what he can do so so i'm i'm with you on Diggs. that that actually took an interesting turn that i didn't expect i wonder about stacking wide receivers that there might be a, a takeaway from that I mean, we already have a takeaway that we wanted to talk about, but I, I wonder if there's a takeaway on stacking wide receivers from, from a team. If you believe that offense is going to be elite, you know, because I can tell you that I did the same thing with Diggs and Thielen. I didn't want both of them on the same team, on the same roster. And I've I've had problems with that this season with the Steelers I, on teams where I have Antonio Brown. I've been really reluctant to pick up Juju Smith-Schuster, even though I believe that he's going to be a phenomenal talent. And I think that he's going to outlast Antonio Brown there. Well, I mean, obviously, he's the youngest player in the league. So right. <laughs> he's going to be there long long after Antonio Brown. But I, I, I kind of think that this becomes Juju's team at some point. Yeah, and you're yet, really I'm high still, on Juju, man. I am. I'm, I'm <laughs> so high on Juju. But I still have been reluctant to to put him on a team and especially put him in a lineup that already has Antonio Brown. And I wonder if there's a mistake there, if that's a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, you what you said was if you think this offense is going to be elite, mm-hmm. and that's so hard to predict. Like we were talking about earlier, like teams shift so dramatically year to year. Yeah. If there was anybody that predicted the Vikings – to be as good as they've been on <laughs> offense, like 
hit us up hands. on Twitter because I will not believe you. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm raising my hand right now. I was on that. No way, dude. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to the the preseason episodes of the early episodes of Super Flexible. One, my, my bold prediction, my you're nuts prediction for the quarterback position was, uh, well, I mean, it was Sam Bradford outscores Matt Ryan in fantasy points, which looking back was, you know, if Sam Bradford had stayed healthy, he easily would have done that. Because I, be- Case I believe that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I bought into but, Bradford for sure this year, and I believe yeah. that he, he, he would have had a good year if he didn't get hurt, but... Yeah, even yeah. Case Keenum comes in, and I don't even but know. Was, I would be interested to see what Keenum versus Matt Ryan is right now. Well, I mean, and part of the premise for me was the weapons everywhere, Thielen and Diggs, and, you know, Dalvin Cook, Kyle Rudolph, improved offensive line play, and above all else, you know, you shipped out Norv Turner, and you've got – uh you know, a full year with Shermer running the offense. So that that was kind of the premise for me. But it, it's just, I mean, as much as I'm patting myself on the back for seeing that coming with the Vikings, I still messed that up by not being willing to pair Diggs and Thielen, even though I, I saw that coming, you know. I, I And I think that there's a takeaway there that that we should probably be looking at and we should probably be considering going forward which is you know don't be afraid to to pair these guys on a team if nothing else you're kind of getting a little bit of a handcuff you know you would have hedged big time with Diggs by also adding Thielen yeah but I think it my reservation on that really comes into the weekly lineup decisions Mm -hmm. like you're gonna have a freaking headache trying to decide should I start both should I start one over the other you know mm-hmm. if you start Diggs and Thielen every week you're going to have some really good weeks but you probably should have just started Thielen over Diggs most of the time you know right. and and what happens if you draft i mean even these elite offenses like i mean you draft Cooks and Hogan that's you know <laughs> yeah. that didn't work out too well i mean Hogan got hurt but you know what i'm saying like the the offenses that can truly support two receivers on a weekly basis to where they're both having decent or good games every single week like that's pretty rare right um so that's fair i wouldn't i don't know i just i would i think it would be really really hard on like a weekly lineup decision basis to to have to decide between both or one or none you know yeah Yeah, also Quick side note, Case Keenum is currently the QB 14 on the year. Matt Ryan is QB 20. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's Sam Bradford? That's all the man. <laughs> Let me look up points per game here. <laughs> uh, yeah, points per game, it's all over. Right. Bradford had one monster game. I mean, he had a bad game too, I guess, when he tried to come back from the injury. Yeah, he's QB 25 points per game, Sam Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, we got one more takeaway. Let's uh, that uh we kind of went off the the rails a little bit there, but let's bring it back with your your last takeaway for this week. 
Yeah, so it kind of ties directly into um, the Adam Thielen conversation is we we shouldn't be automatically counting out these late or end of season breakout or, or kind of flash players that kind of just pop for the last few weeks, you know, and then we go into the next year like, oh, that guy, he just had a few good games towards the end of the year. But I think maybe we need to kind of take these guys more seriously on, on for for the most part, you know, um, and that some of these, some of the time, these guys basically, I think earned that role throughout the course of the season. And it showed in the last few weeks, they produced those last few weeks. So they're going to have a job next season, right? Like sometimes it doesn't work out, but we, I mean, even just last year, we had Adam Thielen, like we talked about. Tyreek Hill was a end of, you know, second half player. Zach Ertz went crazy for the second half of the year. That was his second year in a row doing that. So I could see why we didn't buy into that one. Uh, and then Robbie Anderson is another one, too, where he he popped. I mean, he was crazy towards the end of the year there. And then everybody just wrote him off, you know. Like, oh, he's not actually that good. He just survived on volume. He was the only guy there, blah, 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 right? And again, he's been he's been one of the most consistent players over the last half of this year or over the majority of this year even. So maybe we need to keep an eye out for and kind of take more seriously these end-of-season or late-breakout guys. Yeah. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I think that the kind of the common thread is these are all guys. The I mean, first of all, these are all young guys. Um, Ertz was not a rookie, but I think the rest of them probably were. These, these are all guys who, you know, it, the, the beginning of their career, the beginning of their season was basically go out and survive you know don't screw up your blocking assignment that's that's all that is really asked of those guys in their first you know their first few weeks as a pro but you know you finally you start getting comfortable with that type of stuff you start getting comfortable with your assignments and where you're supposed to be and then you can start to focus on creating separation as a receiver you know, and, and you kind of settle in and you get comfortable with the playbook. You get comfortable with the quarterback. The quarterback gets comfortable with you. And by the end of the season, you know, all of this starts to come together. So, yeah, I think that this is absolutely a strategy that we should be looking at. And I think that we should brainstorm on a few guys who kind of fit this this narrative that we're talking about. A couple that come to mind for me would be uh, D.D. Westbrook of the Jaguars. He's getting a ton of volume right now. And, you know, granted, he he hasn't been playing the entire season. He's been injured, but he already looks like he's got a, a he's carving out a, a significant role, you know. And also the fact that Alan Hearns and probably Alan Robinson are both going to be gone next year. Marquise Lee might be gone as well. But 
I, I think that Marquise Lee probably comes back, but I think D.D. Westbrook has a chance to be the number one receiver there. So Westbrook is one of the first guys that comes to mind for me. There's a handful of others, but I wonder, I mean, this this was kind of your takeaway, so I kind of I wonder if you've got some names in mind. Yeah, so I haven't really dug in that much, but one of the first guys that comes to mind for me is Marquise Goodwin. And I think that we might incorrectly fall into the you know one hit wonder category with him as well and i think i'm i think i'm starting to buy in me and you kind of talked off air too about goodwin and i mentioned that i i think he's going to be one of my off-season trade targets this year because i think a lot of people he's not going to get the respect that he deserves He's been over the, especially over the last few weeks with Garoppolo. He's been showing that he is capable of playing um, the role of a true number one receiver. He's not just streaking down the field like he was the first few weeks of the year. You know, he's he's running routes that I mean, all over the field, um, and he's making he's making plays. And I <laughs> I think that. I am fully bought in on Garoppolo as silly and premature as that might seem. He's, he's shown me enough to where I think he's a very good player and you know, who knows what happens in that offense this off season. They're probably going to bring a couple guys in, but I think Goodwin's again, like we talked about, I think he's earned the role in that offense and he's shown that, you know, he, he deserves to be, um, a productive part of that team. Yeah, definitely. And it also just seems like maybe there's some chemistry being built there between, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Marquise Goodwin. So, yeah, I think that's a really good one. I, I That's only going to grow stronger. So, you know, there's going to be some new faces in San Francisco. But, you know, you can't, you can't replicate like I said, the chemistry that they've already kind of built. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that Marquise Goodwin is a hard, hard buy candidate. Let's move on to some, uh, some trades. This actually got retweeted to our, our Superflex trades account. And by the way, make sure to send when you've got Superflex or PPC or tight end premium to QB, whatever it is, if you've got those alt scoring settings, and you've got a trade proposal out, send it to us and, and we'd be happy to retweet it and, uh, you know, get it out to more people, get you more help with it. And then it also, you know, we're also going to talk about it here on the podcast. So send it to at Superflex Trades on Twitter and uh, we'll help you out with it. But so this one was retweeted to us and uh, it's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Mixon, and rookie pick 1.03 for Dalvin Cook and 1.02 in the rookie draft. And that's in a super flex PPR, by the way. Yeah, so this one is pretty interesting. Long story short, I'm going with Jimmy G yep. Mixon in the 103. Yeah. I love Dalvin Cook, but giving up Garoppolo and Mixon and the 103 just to move up one spot in the draft and get Dalvin Cook back in Superflex is too much for me. Uh, like I said a minute ago, I, I think, you know, I've bought in on Jimmy G 
um, Mixon and Dalvin Cook. It's still up in the air on which of those two guys is going to have the better career. And then the difference you're getting between 102 and 103, I don't think is going to be really measurable. I mean, you know, I don't, it's speculation at this point, but you're talking like Geis versus Sutton, maybe, or, you know, and it could even flip. Like the guy at 102 could take Sutton and you could get Geis. Like you never know. So to move up one spot and give up Jimmy G, it's not worth it for me. Yeah. I think you said it all. I've got nothing to add to that one. Um, the one thing I will say, actually, that I did have, that, <laughs> I think that Dalvin Cook is probably the best running back in this rookie, this 2017 rookie class. So I can see where it makes it tough. But yeah, quarterbacks in Superflex, especially a quarterback like Garoppolo, who is just improving every single week. And the upside like, is insane. Yeah. He, yeah. he looks like a a low end quarterback one going into next season right at this moment. So yeah, I think I, I, I just think that that's such a valuable asset, but. So um, real quick, I don't, if you want to go on a little side tangent here. Yeah. So going off of you calling him a top 12 quarterback going into next year, I actually had an interesting conversation on Twitter uh, with, at dynasty trader mm-hmm. uh shout out at dynasty trader <laughs> um he had he had posted and it just came up on my timeline he posted you know garoppolo is not a top 12 dynasty qb for very obvious reasons and i had asked what those obvious reasons were um and then he said he can count at least 16 quarterbacks john wow. that he would take ahead of him jeez and so I had I had recently updated my quarterback rankings for Dynasty and I just posted that as my my response and you know basically just inviting a conversation as to hey this is what I think you know these are my guys that I have in this order tell me those 16 guys you know this is my case for the fact that I do in fact have Jimmy Garoppolo as my QB12 for Dynasty mm-hmm. um so I guess right above him or right below him, I guess I have. So let's go below. So this is, I think you'll find interesting. Uh, Maybe you have some of these guys you'd move ahead of him. I've got Winston at 13, Drew Brees at 14, Matthew Stafford at 15, Derek Carr at 16. Let's just go with those four. Are those any of those four you'd have ahead of Garoppolo to move him down? I mean, I think I could make a case for Matthew Stafford pretty easily and uh honestly Derek Carr I think is still in the conversation as well um yeah I could see that I just I'm so I'm not bought into Carr at all I don't think he's actually very good right I I mean he hasn't been this year he hasn't been yeah and I think I think he's going to be one of those like QB 12 to 18 kind of career guys, you know? Yeah. Um, I see the case for Stafford, but just, I guess, I don't know. For me, like I, I generally like to go with upside. Like I'm, I'm, I think of myself as an upside fantasy player for the most part. Yeah. And, and so the upside of Garoppolo, like we kind of know what Stafford is at this point, you know? Yeah. And he's never going to have, uh, a top five QB season, 
Not saying Garoppolo will, but the upside's there. So, and he, yeah, I guess that's my whole point with that. Um, See, I think Stafford could, and I think that he has. And that's coming from somebody who has an extreme bias against Matthew Stafford. <laughs> but Yeah, I could be I could just not be remembering that. I don't know. I mean, so I know he's gone for over five thousand yards. Uh, oh he did have that one year, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he had a monster year. And since then they've also you know, they've committed way more to the pass and sacrificed Amir Abdullah's <laughs> immense talent to do it. Uh, you know, Jim Bob Cooter his, at this point. Yeah. Jim Bob Cooter has really kind of made this a, a pass first, pass early, pass often type of offense. So it you know, it could kind of come down to you know, with the with the right pieces. I don't know that Marvin Jones is an elite wide receiver. I definitely don't think that Golden Tate is a, an elite wide receiver. He's good for a slot guy. Marvin Jones is good at at making ridiculous catches that you don't expect him to make, but that's kind of it. He gets zero separation from mm-hmm. cornerbacks. So, and then Eric Ebron is one of the biggest draft busts that we just keep coming back to. So he he's really still working with some pretty pretty mediocre pieces. So, but anyways, that's that's kind of a side note. This isn't really about Matthew yeah. Stafford, but. So let's say let's say we put Stafford at twelve and move Garoppolo to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's any of these guys you'd put below Garoppolo to move him back up. Okay. So ahead of Garoppolo, I've got Mariota at eleven, Kirk Cousins at ten, Jared Goff at nine, and I got Tom Brady at eight, Cam Newton at seven, and then it's the usual guys at the top that you're not going to move down that far. Right. Yeah. There are, there are a couple of them there that, that would be tough. Um, so, yeah, Brady, Goff, Cousins, Mariota. Yeah. So I I would leave Mariota there, I guess. Cousins is a tough one because, you know, where's he going to be next year? And he's he's fairly sporadic. He's pretty inconsistent, which is, you know, that's a big thing with me. And the other one that I have kind of a hard time with is Brady. I'm not so sure about that one. I think that one, I I think I would put Brady and Garoppolo right next to each other in my rankings. And in fact, I, I'll, I'll make a note to go back and do that. Just because that one really comes down to roster construction. If you're built to win now, then maybe you go with Brady. You know, because he he might give you another two years where you don't know for sure that, that this upward trajectory is going to continue with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, into next season. We don't know for sure that he's going to parlay this into a full season next year. Um, But we can reasonably expect Tom Brady to give you the type of production that's going to help you compete next year. But, you know, if you're, if you've got a young roster, or if you're working on some kind of rebuild where Tom Brady makes no sense on your roster, then give me Garoppolo every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. I see that. And that's kind of the that's the hard part about ranking these older guys, you know? Yeah. Like, Tom Brady's obviously 
amazing. Mm-hmm. Probably the best NFL player in history, right? Even no matter what you no matter what you <laughs> think about the Patriots or Brady, yeah, he's probably the best NFL player in history. And so, I mean, but the problem is for Dynasty, he could be done next year. Like la- next year could be his last year. So. You know, at, at what point do you skip that and right. and take the young the the upside of a younger player? You know, yeah. So I mean, anyways, I guess my point is he's definitely in that conversation. Yeah, I think he's. I think he is on that on that edge of top twelve. I've got him in the top twelve, but to say that he's QB seventeen, I think is not really giving him the credit he deserves at this point. I mean, I know he's only had three starts and they've all been really good matchups for him so far. And his touchdown total is, is pretty crappy. Like he's, he's got three, he's got one in each game. Yeah. Um, but he's over 300 yards in all, th- oh, no, I'm sorry, two two ninety something in the first one. And then 302 after that. And he's just, I mean, if you watch the games, man, yeah. He's he's shown enough for me to where I think he's good at football <laughs> and yeah. and he's capable of of carrying an offense and being a franchise quarterback. And so that's enough for me. Yeah. Uh, to where the upside is, is worth it. Yeah, and he's polished and he's comfortable and and not mm-hmm. only that, this this offense is far from a finished product. There's going to be a lot oh, yeah. of change to the San Francisco 49ers offense. The one thing that's not going to change is that Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds in the game, is still going to be calling the plays next year. He's going to get a full year with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to get full off season. He's going to get a full training camp. They're going to they're going to bring in some weapons for him. They're you know they're going to tailor this this uh, this playbook to Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths. And Kyle Shanahan is going to do what he's done with, you know, Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and, you know, several others, Matt Schaub. He's going to maximize what these, what Jimmy Garoppolo can do in a way that most coaches are not able to do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what he's saying and and in fact i mean this is something that i say all the time i don't like overreacting when you know when doing dynasty rankings but i don't know that this is an overreaction you know right i don't think so either i mean it's a new player right that's basically what it is yeah he's an he's a brand new addition to our player catalog so we've got to we've got to form an opinion and put him somewhere so yeah and and i don't think we're his touchdown he's only got three touchdowns in three games like how much can we really overreact you know yeah exactly also anybody who you know on a small sample size ranks deshaun watson in the top five (laughs) there you go you know you can't you can't claim a different approach uh when it comes to jimmy garoppolo because you're you're an overreactor just like the rest of us. But <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I've I've got Deshaun Watson at QB five, John. I I've got him in the top five. I don't like to overreact, <laughs> okay, cool. but <laughs> it, it's a really good offense. He's got all the talent in the world and he's got 
at least two excellent receivers. So including possibly the best the best young wide receiver in the game. Be quiet about Will Fuller. Will Fuller, John. Really? (laughs) I want I want to be able to get him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that that makes sense. Um All right, cool. Let's do another trade here. All right. This is a super flex, which means nothing in this particular case. <laughs> it's a twelve team league. Um don't really care about that part either, but it's a tight end premium. That part's relevant. Hunter Henry or Sammy Watkins? Straight up in a tight end premium. Sammy Watkins, not even close. Not close. Wow. Nope. Okay. I think this might go – I have a feeling you'll take Henry on this side. Yeah, but it is close and for me. Yeah, I I just – so tight end premium usually means boosted scoring for the, for the position. Right. And that's it. If it's so, – so I guess this – we've had this conver- – or we've had the beginning of this conversation several times. We've never really dived into it, but – and we don't have time to do that today, but <laughs> you value tight end premium scoring more than I do. Right. Um, so it might just come down to that. Uh, I don't think that giving 1.5 PPR to a tight end as opposed to one for everybody else makes that much of a difference, especially mm-hmm. when you still only have to start one tight end. Whereas with receivers, most leagues are starting three plus flexes and Watkins has, I still believe, elite talent, top five talent in the league as far as just just actual wide receiver talent. I believe it's there. And so I'm buying into he will eventually be productive (laughs) based on the talent that he possesses, whether it's on the Rams or it's on some other team next year. I believe in Sammy Watkins. I believe he's one of the best receivers in the league. And Hunter Henry very well could be a top five, six, seven tight end Mm -hmm. going forward. But you still only have to start one. You got to start three, four, five wide receivers sometimes. And the one PPR for wide receivers versus 1.5 for tight ends just isn't enough. I mean, it doesn't move the needle on a weekly basis in scoring enough for me to prioritize that position over the wide receiver position. In a vacuum, I agree with you there that the, that extra half a point doesn't make a huge difference, but I mean, we're talking about two guys where there's already a discrepancy in in volume. That's part of the the problem. I mean, for now, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if Sammy Watkins ends up in a better situation where he's going to start seeing volume and he's going to be less touchdown dependent, then, you know, then my mind changes. But with what with the information that I have right now, Hunter Henry is a much bigger part of an offense of of a, of a of an offense that uses him and prioritizes him. So I mean, just on a game-to-game basis, he's going to get more volume than Sammy Watkins. He's just as likely to score as Sammy Watkins, but he's a lot more likely to get you, you know, eight catches. Which is nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. (laughs) For a tight end. But, I mean... It's crazy that any tight end 
would receive more volume than Sammy Watkins. Like that's insane. So that's, I guess what I'm banking on mm-hmm. or sorry to interrupt you, but that's, no. that's what I'm banking on is just the volume will eventually come for Sammy because he's that good. Yeah. I would love, but to I, get, see I see it. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to see it. It just hasn't happened to this point. I mean, you know, f- four full seasons into Sammy Watkins career, he's a low volume splash play guy. He's, touchdown dependent he always has been even in his best season he just you know he just happens to score touchdowns whereas hunter henry is going to get volume and so i mean if you're already like i think that that you're already looking at you know hunter henry versus sammy watkins and you're saying you know hunter henry has a chance to get me six to eight catches sammy watkins is likely going to get me two i'm just trying to decide how likely is it that Sammy Watkins, one of his two catches is going to be a, a long touchdown? You know? <laughs> I but, totally agree. And this year, yeah, like if 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 Henry wasn't hurt going into next week, if I had a if I had a flex option, I would I would probably start Hunter Henry over Sammy Watkins. Yeah, like that, you know that. But that's again, that's this year, and that's that's not what I'm going off of in this trade. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that we know for certain is that Hunter Henry's opportunity is going to increase. We hope sure. that Sammy Watkins is going to, but we don't know that for sure. He could easily re-sign with the Rams and be stuck right in the same role that he's got now. I would hate that, but there's a non-zero chance of that. Let's uh, let's wrap this up with you are nuts. You're nuts! I'm nuts! What are you, nuts? Now you want to get nuts! Come on, let's get nuts. You're all nuts. And first, let's look at what we what we had going last week. So back to Jimmy G. You had him for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> he had three. He had 381, 381 passing yards. So you but, were there on the yards. Yeah, alas, he only had the one touchdown. But yeah, this is our. This is possibly our last week without our friend James. So I got to throw this in here. The process was so right on this one. Yep. Another another uh, f- fantasy football buzzword that gets overused a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> another one is touch is regression. Oh yeah. The one touchdown a game when you're throwing almost 400 yards, but you're only that's throwing nuts. one touchdown. That screams regression. It's coming. Yeah. Like that, that just one, speaks, I think, to the upside again right like yep. it's the upside's insane with this guy and again i know he's had three really good matchups but it's just the the offense around him is still not very good and he's still you know he's got he's got the yardage he's got the passing volume he's he's shown that he can He's shown that he can do it. He's shown that he's capable of making these plays and and leading an offense and winning games. So it'll come, man. I'm 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 in on him for sure. For yeah. like the fourth time this podcast, but that's fine. Yeah. So I think I called you nuts on that one because of the touchdowns because he hadn't did. had yep. he hadn't had a multi touchdown game yet. But you know the the longer he goes with without throwing more than one touchdown the less nuts that becomes and we've talked about that before trends are meant to be broken that one will break i had 
Kenyon Drake for 240 total yards. Originally, it was 200, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you tried to laugh me out of the building, and instead I, I just bumped it up. I stat-shamed you. <laughs> I went from 200 total yards and two touchdowns up to 240 yards and three touchdowns yep. and missed this one by a mile. <laughs> he had 113 total yards, 78 rushing, 35 receiving, and one touchdown at Buffalo. Buffalo is horrible against the run. I don't, in fact, I'm going back to the well in a minute on my bold prediction for week 16 <laughs> because Buffalo is so bad. So I have no explanation for for why Kenyon Drake was so ineffective. I really don't. Well, I mean, let's not pretend this isn't a good game from a running back. Yeah, yeah, it's a great like, game. <laughs> Yeah, man, I would love for my running back to have 113 total yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. any week, you know? Yeah. But your your total was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also just kind of the way this week went. There were a lot of exploitable matchups that didn't get exploited. Julio Jones had a bad game against the worst pass defense in the league who are missing, you know, three of their top, per, uh, their top defenders. That's because it's Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah. Devin Funches, I, Cam Newton threw for four touchdowns and Devin Funches can't do anything. It, yeah, it was just was rough. It, it was a really strange week when it comes to that stuff. Um, so I, I don't, I, first of all, yeah, the, the points were great for Kenyon Drake, for his owners. And second of all, I don't regret, again, the process. Sorry, James. <laughs> the, the process was correct. There were just several examples this week of times where the process just didn't make it all the way through, all the way off the runway. So but let's talk about our bold predictions for this week. And I'll let you get started with this. Yeah, so I've got... Uh... An interesting one here. Teddy Bridgewater is my bold prediction this week. I think that so here here's the the situation. <laughs> here's what's going to go down. Okay. Atlanta just won tonight. We're recording on Monday night. Atlanta just won, which means that the Packers are officially eliminated from playoff contention. So uh, Minnesota plays Green Bay next week. I think the it's already been reported that Rodgers has had some soreness um, in his shoulder slash collarbone area. Mm-hmm. So I think that they bench him. Okay. And Minnesota just wallops the heck out of Green Bay mm-hmm. and just kill him. And Bridgewater comes in in the fourth quarter. And throws a touchdown. That's my bold prediction. Teddy Bridgewater throws one touchdown. <laughs> in your nuts. As sad as it is to say, one guy scoring one touchdown. It's nuts. Yeah, I would man. love to see it, but yeah, you're nuts. To think that the that the Green Bay Packers would ever lay down for the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings still have a lot to play for here. They're not going to lay down. They're just not going to play Rodgers. That's to me. That's letting that. That's laying down, and that's they're out giving... of the, they're out of the playoffs. He's hurt. Yeah, but there's... why risk it? This is the best. I, this is he's sore. the best quarterback I, in the league. I don't know. He's sore. Maybe I don't know about hurt, but 
I also he came I back. Mean, he came back as soon as he could. He was reportedly he claimed he was only eighty percent healthy. Right. He said his shoulder was eighty percent. So if they're out of playoff contention, why in the hell would you put him back on the field? Because you do not let the Minnesota Vikings, what your biggest rival, beat you at home. Is it? Yeah, it's at it's at Green Bay. You're not going to let Minnesota come into Green Bay, and and beat you, and secure the number one overall seed, which guarantees that they play every single game of the playoffs in Minnesota, including the Super Bowl. You don't just hand that to them if you're the Green Bay Packers. I think Rodgers yeah. plays. I think this is going to be a close game. If the Vikings are going to win, they're going to earn it. And I don't think that that leaves any room for Ted, Teddy Bridgewater to get in the game. All right, we shall see. I guess it, it all hinges on whether or not Rodgers plays. Because <laughs> if he plays, there's, they're not going to boat race him. All right, let's hear your stupid one. <laughs> I've got <laughs> man, some bitterness there. All right, I've got Mike Gillisley of the New England Patriots scores twice against his former team, the Buffalo Bills, who, as I mentioned a minute ago, are terrible against the run. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> he hasn't even. He's been a healthy scratch for how many weeks now? Every week that like, Rex Burkhead has been healthy. I get I get it. I get it. Yeah. There's a chance he sees the field and actually has you know, ten to twelve touches even. I don't see, I wouldn't even go that far. I, I could see two to three touches. Wow. And, <laughs> and scores on all of them. He's the oh. thumper at this point without Burkhead you, there. I think How are you gonna do how are you gonna do Dion Lewis like that, man? Yeah, they they've been doing it. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just do it with a guy named Rex instead. And that's insane. Uh, yeah, I I think that that Dion Lewis carries the mail for him for the most part. I think that James White is involved in the passing game, and I think Mike Gillisley is your thumper. And not only that, there's the revenge game, and just the fact that you know there's finally an opportunity here for Gillisley to to finally become relevant again. One fumble. That's all it took <laughs> for him to go into the witness protection program. <laughs> He's been inactive since week 10 yep. and hasn't scored since week two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, because in week three, he fumbled once. It, it was, it was, it's crazy how, just how how far into the doghouse he got buried for that one stupid fumble. So, anyways, this is this is a chance, and not not only that, Bill Belichick loves this stuff. He loves to be able to put in a guy against the guy's former team and show off what a great move he made by signing that guy away from from especially a division rival. So to me, it's a it, it, if nothing else, it's a really in, interesting angle, and I think that it's the type of thing that's going to compel Bill Belichick. So that's why I'm calling it. Mike Gilsley scores twice. Mark it down. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Not going to happen. All right, fair enough. We're going to wrap it up for this week. And we'd like to ask you for a quick favor first to please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. 
Your ratings help us improve our content and our reach so we can involve more people in the conversation and touch on more topics that are meaningful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter. As I mentioned earlier, our trades account is at SuperFlexTrades. We can retweet and share, getting you more votes and more comments and more advice from around the Dynasty universe. Follow the podcast itself at SuperFlexPod. Travis is at TravisNFL. James is at DFF underscore Psychic. We're really looking forward to getting James back, hopefully next week. And I am at DFF Dynasty Dude. The mothership, the Dynasty Football Factory, is at DFF underscore Dynasty. And the network of all the great DFF podcasts is at DF underscore Network. And this great stable of podcasts includes the Fantasy Football Fellas, one more week talking about redraft and helping you set those lineups and pick through the waivers, the Dynasty War Zone, uh, talking Dynasty values and strategies. They're already getting into mock drafts and helping you prepare for the offseason. And the IDP Edge Crushers, talking about defensive players around the NFL and helping you set those IDP lineups. The Devi Watch podcast, talking about the college players who are about to become NFL stars, the future of the NFL, and the future of fantasy. Capology 101, talking about the financial situations of NFL teams and players, contracts that are expiring, contracts that are being renewed, and all the movement in the NFL offseason. And coming soon, finally, coming soon, the Dynasty Trades Headquarters. Helping you navigate all the trades that you'll be making on your Dynasty rosters, and uh, regardless of format. So we're really excited for that one to come out. Thanks, as always, to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction for our intro and outro music. And uh, thanks to Travis for spending the time. James, we're looking forward to getting you back. Love to see you back next week, if at all possible. But until then, best of luck if you're still in the fantasy championships. And until then, bye. Bye.